Amen. God is good, church. And I'm excited. I really am excited because the hope we have in Christ. According to Google, there are 2.3, it says 2.3 billion Christians in the world. To Google how many Christians in the world, it says 2.3 billion Christians. Sorry, I forgot to pray for Fritz. Please, church, let's pray. Remember Fritz, too, and I'll keep him in our prayers, too. It's good to see you, Fritz. Amen. Keep praying for God's strength yeah. uh, upon your life. Amen. So 2.3 billion Christians in the world, and, it's, of course, Christianity is the largest religion. Uh, it says it's 31 to 33%. What it simply means is one in every three people on this planet claim to be Christians. Now, I'm not... I don't know the number of real believers or anything of that sort. I'm just talking about just Christians in general. One in every three people on planet Earth claims to be Christian. And it's pretty, pretty amazing if you think about it for a minute. How, uh, if I can call them a very dysfunctional 12 men... How 12 in a small and significant country in the middle of nowhere, basically. 12 very dysfunctional men now has turned into one in every three people in the world. How did that happen? And if there's one word, it would be because of the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection changed everything. We just celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. Because the resurrection is probably the most significant event in history. It turned this group of followers from being scared and, and depressed and, and defeated into people who were willing and courageous enough, spreading a contagious hope that now has become one in three, 2.3 billion people. Church, that's why we celebrate Easter, because when they saw Jesus raised from the dead, it changed everything. It changed everything. If you've been following along my Wednesday night sermons in the Bible study, we've been, I've been focusing and living in and, and reading about the period between the resurrection and what we call the ascension, and after the ascension is Pentecost, which we'll celebrate in a few weeks, so which the church celebrates in a few weeks. But the truth is, as you look at the lives of these disciples and the people after the resurrection, you realize the difference that made in their lives. Because it gave them hope. It gave them hope from being totally scared, totally lost people. I mean, and I can picture it in my head, and I don't know if you can do that too, but I can picture it in my head. You know, all of them just sitting around, you know, some of them have their heads buried in their hands and mumbling, shaking their heads. There's this disbelief, there's this regret, and some, you know, what's the point of having followed him for 30, I mean, three years if this was going to happen? Yet once they encounter the risen Savior, the people filled with hope, inexplicable hope. 
Turn with me in your Bibles if you have to. And this is the main scripture I'm going to launch out of in a very topical sermon today. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. I don't know about you, church, but whenever I think about the risen Savior, I just, my heart just <laughs> starts pumping and I get all excited. God, it's good to praise God. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How can you not praise Him? Hallelujah. Gosh, in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Yes. If you haven't underlined that part, underline that part. Given us new birth into a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. There's one thing the world needs more of. It's hope. And I just love that. Because hope is such a distinction. Of our walk with Christ. Of our religion if you want to call it that. A living hope. A living hope. And why do we have this hope? Peter says it's because of the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ from the dead. I think I'm just continuing my Easter sermon because if it wasn't for the resurrection, we would not be here today. It would be 12 people who have lost hope and that's it. It dies. Christianity dies. If there was no resurrection, there would be no church. We are here because of the resurrection of Christ. And there is, again, the sermon is nothing new or revolutionary, but it's a reminder of the hope we have in Christ why do we have hope? This morning, the reasons for hope, number one is, the reason I have hope is because I experience forgiveness. Amen. Complete, complete forgiveness. Jesus, I mean, he taught the disciples and, you know, he's talking to them, especially before the cross. He's telling them, you know, I'm going to die on this, in this way. I'm going to die on this cross. You know, I'm going to die for the sins of the world, basically. But he says what? I'm not going to stay dead. Of course, I'm paraphrasing what he says. I'm going to come back to life in three days. Yeah. And he comes back to life to prove that he did die for the sins of this world. Yeah. Now, if Jesus didn't come back to life, you have every reason and they have every reason to doubt whether he really died for their sins. The resurrection proves, church, that he really did die for our sins and that we can experience true and real forgiveness, complete forgiveness. That's why we have hope. That's why we have hope. Church, the cross and the empty tomb always go together. Amen. One without the other doesn't make sense. If he just died and just rose from the dead, it doesn't make a difference. The cross Without the resurrection means nothing. The hope we have in Christ is that because he died and because he rose again, our sins, my sins are totally forgiven. Completely forgiven. We all are imperfect, church. We all fall short, the Bible says. We all carry regrets. We all... Wish, we always wish we could have done things better or done things differently. 
We all fight and battle shame. We fight and battle guilt. But God doesn't want us, has not designed us to live under that burden of guilt and shame. That's why we have the cross and that's why there's the resurrection. We have hope because our sins are totally, totally forgiven. Man, we waste. You have, I mean, you talk to people, people, guilt just sucks the life out of you. Yet you have the resurrection of Christ that gives us hope. Why do we want to live under the burden of sin when we have hope? We have hope. Jesus died on the cross. I think right from when I was a kid, I've heard the saying, Jesus died on the cross, so quit hanging yourself on that cross, right? All we got to really do, I know it's, we say it flippantly, but all we got to do is believe, put our trust in that fact. Who put Jesus on that cross? Definitely wasn't the Jewish leaders or the Romans who put Jesus on the cross. Yes, physically they did. But the reason Jesus went to the cross was because of this. And it might surprise you. It was God's plan. It was God's plan for salvation. It was God's plan right from the very beginning. It was God's plan to send Jesus to the cross before I was even born for me. It was God's plan. The cross was always God's plan. Isaiah 53 verse 6 onwards it says, We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearers he is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet... Who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my, my people, he was punished. Punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This is the part. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Cross was God's plan, church. You realize the cross was God's plan, but the reason was me. The reason was me. It was God's plan, but we are the reason He went to that cross. Because think about it if none of us had ever sinned, He would not have to go to that cross. It's because we sinned. Because we sin and because we will sin, he went to that cross. Romans 4.25 and reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. Yet he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. The whole idea of forgiveness is so that we will become right with God. That's the hope we have, church. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. It was, it's the why we, it's the reason we celebrate. It's the hope we have today. Jesus died and because he rose again, now we are right with God. We are made right with God. Made right with God is what? Being completely forgiven. That's why I have hope. That I can approach God. A holy God. 
because of what he did on the cross, but because he rose from the dead. Church, think about this. I don't have to live in the fear of God's judgment or his wrath anymore. I don't have to live in the fear of the judgment or wrath of God because my sin no longer separates me from God because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he died, and because he rose again, I have the hope that we have today. Completely forgiven. I have hope because I have been completely forgiven. Second reason I have hope, because death has lost its grip on me. I have hope today because I no longer fear death. I don't go looking for it, but I no longer fear death. We are no longer afraid to die, church. Jesus died on that cross, but when he rose again on the third day, he broke the power of death. He broke the power of the grave. He broke the power of fear of death. I mean, you can go to any part of the world and you will find that people fear death. Why? Because it's the great unknown. We don't know what's going to happen out there. That's why they fear death. But church, I mean, people mock it. They are cynical and it's part of, you know, for them, they make excuses. Well, it's part of evolution. You live and you die and the world goes on. They say a lot of things. But 99, I can assure you, 99% of the people deep down... It makes them nervous. Death makes them nervous. But what did Jesus do? He conquered death and came back to life. Church, let me explain it this way. If Jesus hadn't resurrected from the dead, you wouldn't really know if there's life after death. Let me put it this it's, it's, I, I know I'm simplifying it a lot, but it's not that complicated. Because you can talk about death, I mean, life after death. You can hope for life after death. But because he rose from the dead, we have proof that there is life after death. Now, you can make excuses and people can talk about whatever they want to talk about what happens after death. But because Jesus rose from the dead, there is proof that there is something after death. Because Jesus came back from the dead, because he rose from the dead, he conquered the grave, he conquered death, and I no longer have to live in fear of death, and that gives me hope today, that death is not going to have the last say. Death is not going to have the last word in my life. That's the hope I have. John eleven twenty five. Jesus says, I am the what? The resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, they will live again. And the resurrection proved his words. Even though we die, we will live again. And that's the reason we have to hope, church. Honestly, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there would be no hope for us. Think about it, church. When they, when Jesus died, they buried him in a tomb, and we know the tomb, the small cave that they dug in into the side of the hill, and of course, it's Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He volunteered there. And what did they do? They buried him in there. They rolled a large stone over its mouth. Pilate put a seal on it, you know, so that nobody could move it, and he placed Roman guards on either side of it. 
Where were the, so where were the disciples around this time? They, they hightailed it out of there, right? Basically. They're hiding in fear. They're upset. They're depressed. They're stressed out. They're afraid what? That they're going to be executed next just because they were followers of Jesus. They're running away. They're hiding. Now, three days later, we know what we know the story. Three days later, Easter morning, Mary Magdalene goes there to check out, and she finds what? The tomb's empty. The stone's rolled away. She doesn't know. She walks inside, and all she finds is an empty tomb with the grave clothes still lying in the corner there, right? And then she turns around, and this person speaks to her whom she recognizes, and what does he say? Go tell my brothers that I am alive. She goes running back, and I can picture her. She goes running back. These guys are all in this, locked up in this room, banging on the door. Peter, James, John, whoever it is, he's alive. I saw him, and I can just picture them. You've been the emotional one. You wasted a whole year's wages on his feet, wiped his feet with your hair. Just chill, relax a little. They doubted her. They doubted her. These are your disciples of Christ. None of them believed, you know, whatever the reason is. And the whole point of this is what? None of the disciples really believed that Jesus would rise from the dead. That's why they were hiding. That's why they didn't believe her. They didn't believe in the resurrection itself. But because they believed, they, they believed because they witnessed it finally. That's what changed. It was their eyewitness that they saw it. For themselves because it wasn't because just he said or she said anymore. They believed because they saw it. They saw it with their own eyes. Church, one of the most difficult things. I think it's, one, it's the most difficult thing to explain. It's the sudden change in the disciples' hearts. It's the hardest thing to explain. Without the resurrection, you cannot explain that change in their hearts. The sudden change in, you know, because at the crucifixion, they're all scared to death. Three days later, they're ready to take on the most powerful nation in the world. And not fight for it with, like, in war or anything of that sort. They're just ready. What happened? It's simple. They saw the risen Savior. That gives them hope. That gives them hope. First, first Peter 1.16, it says, We told you about the powerful coming, again, from the New Living Translation, about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were not telling made-up stories that someone else invented. Rather, we were eyewitnesses to His majesty. Yes. They weren't making up stories. They were eyewitnesses. And again, you got to realize, if you read the Bible, like I said, I've been walking and rereading these portions. It's not just these 12 disciples. He stayed around for 40 days, walked around Jerusalem, Teaching people for 40 days. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. It says after his suffering. He presented himself to them. And gave, gave them. And gave many convincing proofs. That he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And spoke about the kingdom of God. Yes. So it wasn't just these 12 people. It was others too. I mean if. if you, I've often wondered. I've often wondered this. And I don't know it's just me. About the soldier who thrust that spear into Jesus' side. Did he see Jesus walking around? He's like, dude, I speared him to death. Like, I have no idea what's happening. I mean, how could he not believe? 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared more than, uh, to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. Yeah. I mean, if I was to, if, if I was to say, hey, this morning, uh, before I was coming to church, I drove by Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee, and I saw the Pope in there eating a donut. How many of you would believe me? <laughs> Nobody would believe me, right? <laughs> Deanne, probably, she goes to Dunkin' Donuts for coffee, too. But... Nobody's going to believe me. But what if someone else said, oh, you know what? I saw him pumping gas in that shell station in the corner. Another person says, hey, I actually saw him in the Walgreens. Someone else says, hey, I saw him eating at Guana Taco. Now if you have 500 people saying the same thing, there's something about it. If it wasn't true, why would they even come up with something like this? Because it didn't bring them fame, it didn't bring them fortune, all it brought them was persecution. Yet they were willing to lay down their lives but not deny Christ. Why? Because they said, if he comes back to life, you do your worst to me. Because yeah. I'm going to come back to life too. Yeah. There is no fear of death. Amen. That's why we have hope. Amen. That's why we have hope, church. Because death is not the final say in our lives. Because he lives, I live too, it says. Hallelujah. I mean, it's literally, I mean, I can see them mocking them. You killed him. You ridiculed him. You put that crown on his head. You shoved a spear in his side. You put him in a tomb. You put guards. You put a seal. You put a stone. You did all these things, but you couldn't stop him. You really think you're going to stop us now? <laughs> That's the confidence they had. That's the hope they had. We have that same hope. We have that same hope, church. We can laugh, mock, whatever, if you want to say it. Death will not have the last say in my life. He will not have the last say in, in your life. Because he rose from the dead, I will rise too. So bring it on. Do your worst, world. The hope I have in Christ, church. My sins are totally forgiven. I have no fear in death. Number three. I live my life every day in the power of the Holy Spirit. I have hope. Because I live my life every single day in the power of the Holy Spirit church. God gave us his spirit. And this is connected to the resurrection too. Because think with me. The progression here. Jesus died, rose again. When he rose again, he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended, that's when the Holy Spirit came down. If there was no resurrection, there would be no ascension. If there was no ascension, of course, I'm just thinking here. If there was no resurrection, there'd be no ascension. If there's no ascension, there's no Holy Spirit coming down to empower us. We have hope because we live our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive the power. And you will tell people everywhere about me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Think about this. Forty days he, 
He is with them. And 10 days after that, the Holy Spirit descends in that upper room. Church, I think this is such a reason Christianity spread. Just imagine the boldness in these disciples. My sins are forgiven. You know, I'm no longer scared of death, and now I'm empowered with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're so pumped up to tell people about Jesus, they don't care about it anymore. Why? Because they have the hope in Christ. Amen. They're walking and living in the power of the Holy Spirit every day. That's why we have hope, church. That's why we have hope. They had seen Jesus face to face, and they knew that he said that when I go, I will send my spirit. And that spirit is going to empower you. Again, please, you know this. Don't limit the spirit's power only to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, church. I, I, I said this the other day. I was, I, was, I was writing something down and it just came to me. Being filled with the, being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't a, spiritual, um, isn't a spiritual advantage. It's a supernatural advantage. You know, because sometimes we just think, you know, just I, I can speak in tongues and a prophecy and I do all these things and be spiritually more mature. No. The power of the Holy Spirit is supernatural advantage that I don't have to live my life in my own strength, but with the power of God Amen. in me. That's what gives me hope, church. That's what gives me hope. And I know this might sound casual and almost irrelevant, I mean, irreverent, but. God wants us to be plugged into His supernatural power that comes from the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds, like I said, very, you know, but unless you're plugged in, unless you have, I mean, if you, have you tried vacuuming something without the power cord plugged into the source? It has no meaning. It's just a piece of junk unless it can plug into the source. And now it sounds so trivial, but that's the truth, as simple as it gets. Unless you are plugged into the source, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You will live your life beating yourself down and beating yourself down again and again and again. Because you're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit that is for every single one of us. Amen. Reason we have hope is because we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. In our everyday lives. Just think about it church. I mean again. Think through the first century disciples. And everybody else. If God's power raised him from the dead. That same power lives in me. Paul says. Amen. That same power. Lives in me. Because Jesus raised. Let me put it this way. Because God's Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, He can raise a dead marriage. Amen. He can raise a dead relationship. Amen. He can raise a dead career. Amen. He can raise a dead dream. Yeah. God's power raised, God's Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Why won't He work in our lives if you just submit to Him? Don't wait for a supernatural experience. Realize that His power lives in you. His power lives in you. It's the power to be 
free from the past. It's the power to break those chains that have bound you. It's the power to free you from that experience. It's the trauma that has been holding you back. It's the power to start over. It's the power that when you feel you are done, you can still go on. It's the power to change things when you think nothing is going to change. That's the power that lives in us. Don't try and do it on your own because you can't do it. It's His power living in us that gives us the power. That gives us hope, church. Power to overcome hurts. The power to overcome habits. The power to keep going when you feel like giving up. I just have an endless list here. But that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us today. That same resurrection power. That's why I have hope. Number four, the reason I have hope is because I, because I'm a recipient of His unending love. I need to be careful when I say this, but please understand. The Bible says, "I have loved you with a everlasting love." Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Fact is, you can't stop God from loving you. You can walk away. But you can never stop him from loving you. Again, we need to be careful. Yes, there's accountability. Yes, there's judgment. But please understand, God's love for you isn't dependent on what you do. It's dependent on who he is. He is love. We balance his love with his righteousness, and we, that's, a, that's, that's something we know. But please understand that when you come to Christ, when you come and accept the death and the resurrection of Christ, you experience his love in a way that you will never experience ever. In a human way. And the proof is in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Not some people. The world. We are recipients of God's eternal. Everlasting love. And the truth is he wants us all to experience that love church. He wants us all to experience that love. Because when you experience. Genuinely experience his love. It transforms your life. It transforms your life, changes your life. I've seen hardened people transformed by the love of Christ. If you've read David Wilkerson's, what is it, Crossing the Switchblade? All these hardened gang members because of the love of Christ. I mean, when I've preached in, and held Bible studies in, these, in some prisons in India for, for, for a while, these hardened guys, murderers, convicted of all the crimes that you can think about, yet they're lying face down, crying and worshiping God because the love of God captivates their heart and transforms their heart. Now, I know the cynic says, well, that's just because he's in prison. There's nothing else to do. But it lasts. I know people, it's lasted way beyond that. When you are genuinely, and when you genuinely genuinely experience the love of God, church, it transforms your life. And so I've got to ask the question, and I do so humbly, if your life is not changed and transformed, I've got to ask, are you really experienced, or have you really experienced His love? 
It transforms their life. I mean, think about Paul. Paul, guy whose one job is to kill Christians. He's getting ready, going to Syria, Damascus. On the way to Damascus, what happens? He encounters Christ, and all of a sudden, he just falls to his feet. And then from someone who's bloodthirsty, basically, running after, he writes 1 Corinthians 13. How does that happen? Someone who's so mad and hating and just so this disdain for Christians all of a sudden says what? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. You can go on and on and on. It says at the end, what remains? Love. It's only the love of God that transforms life's church. Amen. That's why we have hope. We have hope because of God's love for each and every one of us. That's why he writes, nothing can separate us from his love. Fifth reason I have hope today. Because as I follow Christ, I realize that I have a purpose for living. I need to be careful here, and I hope you understand me. If you have questions, come and talk to me later. But if someone comes up to you today and asks you, asks you, what's your purpose of your life? What is the purpose of your life? What is your answer going to be? What would your answer be, church? Because significance comes from knowing your purpose. Why I'm here? What on earth am I here for? Why do I exist? What's the purpose in my life? You can keep going on. Does my life have meaning? These are just basic fundamental questions that every single person asks at some point or the other. When you don't know your purpose in life, when you don't know why you're here on earth, there's this big hole in our hearts and people try and fill that hole with many different things. But you will never be able to fill that emptiness up. I mean, they try whatever, you know, money, sex, power, pleasure, sports, hobbies. Now, some of those things are good, but they're never going to know their real place and purpose unless they get connected to the resurrected Christ. Amen. Amen, amen. Why do you exist, church? Ask yourself that question. The many verses in this book, if you want to call it that. That tell you your purpose. You will never know your purpose if you're not willing to read this. You can believe or take something I said, something you read on the internet. But let me tell you this. You want to know your purpose in life. Open this and study it. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. That's what the psalmist says. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for our lives. We all created for purpose, church. We're not an accident. Never an accident. God made you. He made you for a purpose. And until you figure it out, you will be restless. We have hope because we have purpose in our lives. Hallelujah. I'm not saying you won't go through times where you struggle. I'm not saying you, you go through only mountaintop experiences. But when you're up or when you're down, you go to his word and he gives you purpose. Quit fighting it on your own. Quit trying to figure out your life on your own. Trust in Him. Trust in Him because He has a purpose. We know that verse in Jeremiah 29. I have a plan for your life. 
Yeah, we know it's in the context of the Israelites, you know, and, and, and they're coming back from exile. Yes, that's the context. But the truth is this. God has a plan. Amen. He didn't choose Israel just for Israel's benefit. He chose Israel to save the whole world. Amen. Did Israel do great the whole time? No. They had good times, but they also had failures. But God's plan for their lives endures if they would only come back to him. Turn back to him and you recognize God's plan and purpose for your life. Amen. You are not an accident, church, and that gives me hope. Yes. Even when we mess things up like the Israelites did, like the people in the Bible did, God still fulfills his purpose in our life if we come to him. Yes. Even when we mess it up, he still fulfills his purpose. This Wednesday I talked about Peter. After the resurrection, he's going out fishing. He comes back. Jesus has uh, food with them. And then he talks to Peter, asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Peter messed up. But God is in the business of putting purpose back into our lives. Hallelujah. God had called Peter to be a fisher of men. Peter was back out fishing for fish. God restored, renewed the purpose for which he called Peter. That's what God does. That's what he does, church, and that gives me hope. That's why I have hope this morning that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Even though I've been an idiot and messed it up so many times, he still can use me. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. Quit pretending you have it all together. But know this, he can still use you. That's why we have hope. That's why we have hope, church. He can bring good out of all the bad that we've done and the world's done to us. He says that. He can bring good out of it all. He'll take all the, like I said, the dumb stuff, the bad decisions that I've made, the mistakes that I've made, the sins that I've committed, the things that have been done to me, it doesn't matter. He can take all of that together. He puts back broken pieces into a dish that he can use. Yes. Not just a dish he puts on a shelf. No, he uses it. Amen. Broken pieces, that's his speciality. When you think you have it all together, you know what? You're lying to yourself. The hope we have is that he takes broken pieces and he can still use me. He still gives us purpose, church. He still gives us purpose. Let me say this, and I've had this conversation with many people. Your plan is going to lead to frustration unless your plan matches up with God's plan. You're not going to get it right every time. But when your heart is willing, willing, pursuing his plan for your life, he gives you hope said, I've had many honest conversations with people. You, you know, you've been doing your own thing. Well, how's it working for, out for you? Are you totally fulfilled? And I asked them straight, are you totally fulfilled? Are you really satisfied with the life that you're living right now? Is life everything that you thought it was going to be because you want to do it your way? You want to live life to the fullest? Here it is. It's simple. Some walk away, you know, 
I've heard it all. I'm too young right now. I want to enjoy my life right now. Well, my friends do this. You know, they're not bad people. Well, my favorite, the church is full of hypocrites. And I always answer, there's always room for one more. <laughs> They've been hurt by the church and I apologize because it's a real thing. But then I also challenge them to be real. How has Christ let you down? Yes, you can blame the church. But how has Christ let you down? And I ask them, what is stopping you from following him? Yes, amen. Amen. You can't go on with your plan, church, and God's plan at the same time. You've got to choose which one comes a point in your life where somebody's got to ask you and I ask people you have got to make that decision it's going to be your life or you're going to live it for his you've got to make that choice sorry to go off on a tangent but it's the truth we have hope church think about the disciples again they're not scared of death they endure persecution and the numbers are growing and you know it as soon as you confess Christ they throw you into the Colosseum with all the wild animals or whatever but they're okay with it because they're not scared to die anymore. They have hope way beyond what they're talking about. All the disciples except for John we know, were persecuted and killed. Stephen was stoned. Paul was martyred. I mean, James was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. Thomas was killed in India. You know, all that. Paul was beheaded, but right at the end, what does he say? Right before he dies, I have what? Fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I mean, that's the kind of attitude we ought to have too. I mean, Christians were fearless in the face of death. Why? Because they knew it wasn't the end. They knew there was something after that. I mean, just think about this. Paul's in prison and he says what? To live is Christ, to die is gain. What do you do with a person like that? They didn't know what to do with him. To live is Christ for me, to die is something so much better. They don't fear death anymore because of the hope they have in Christ. You don't realize this in America, and I know it's not in the news, but 90,000 people get killed every year because of their faith in Christ. 90,000, and that's a conservative number. We don't hear about that in the news, do we? That people, even to this day, are willing to die because of the hope they have in Christ, which brings me to my last point. The reason I have hope is because I know I will spend eternity with God in heaven. I'm not going to get into a debate of what heaven looks like and what it is full of and gold, streets of gold and everything else. I really don't care. I just know it's a great place to be. Amen. It's indescribable. That's the hope we have, church. I don't work as hard as I work or whatever I do. I don't do it just because I'm going to get a crown on my head. It's nothing like that. The reason I... Fight the good fight. The reason I want to finish the race, the reason I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, is because I get to spend eternity with God himself. Amen. That's why I have hope. That's why we have hope, church. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has, can even conceive or imagine the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him and for those, for those who love him. Let me be honest, church. I'm not depressed or anything of that sort, but when I look around me, we live in a very broken world. Sickness, disease, war, racism, 
prejudice, brother destroying brother, persecution, abuse, whatever. The more I look at the broken world, heaven seems like an amazing place. I'm not in a rush to get there, I'll be out, I'm telling you. But I'm not afraid. I'm looking forward to that day when I will see him face to face. Now we just see uh, what it says, a distorted image. But one day we will see him face to face. What hope we have, church. What hope we have. A living hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's the confidence. I want you to walk out from this place with the confidence. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope we have in Jesus Christ. Experience complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. Past, present, and future. It's complete. The hope we have is that fear of death no longer has a hold on our lives. Death has no control over me. The hope I have is to live a life every day because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The hope I have is that I am a recipient of God's unending, unending love. Nothing separates us from His love, church. Purpose. I could stand here and give you five or ten lessons on how to find your purpose in life. That's not ever going to be good enough unless you pick up this and read it for yourself. Because this gives you purpose. And you get to spend eternity with Him. have the hope the same hope that those disciples had 2,000 some years ago do we have that same kind of confidence today so let's stand to our feet and worship for a few minutes Jesus. I know we're running out of time here and we've got to make room, but let's give you a moment to respond to this message because I don't know about you, even though it's, I, I was really pumped up. How can we not praise God? 
How can we not worship a risen Savior? I don't want you to leave this place without the confidence and the hope that each one of us has. The hope that He has promised the church. And it's not because of something you have to do, it's because of something that He has already done. All you got to do is accept it and be willing to follow. You're not going to get it right all the time. I don't get it right. No one's going to get it right. But that's the hope we have that when I stumble and fall, he will still pick me up. He will still use me. Don't believe the lie, the enemy or someone else has spoken in your life that you're never going to be good enough for God to use. Church, that's a lie. He loves you with an everlasting love. He will use you if you're willing. Experience His love. Experience His forgiveness. Experience the power of the Holy Spirit every day of your life. Live in the hope that He promises. Father, we thank You once again for this day. We thank You, God, that we gather together once a week to celebrate the hope we have in you. As we leave this place, God, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be overwhelmed, God, with gratitude, with praise, and with worship because our hope is in you and you alone. We trust you, God. In every situation, we trust you, God. We worship you, Lord. We lift your name on high. Be glorified, God. Be glorified. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So go from here. Just remember the benediction. May the love of, what is it? I've got lost all of a sudden. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all as you go from here till we meet again. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a